chapter. Sheol. The dark Sheol official felt the heat of the summer day slowly fade from his skin as he slowly sat down behind the desk in his well-air-conditioned office. His daily afternoon walk in the near-desert heat was more a reminder of his roots than an effort to stay in shape. He needed to remind himself that the comfort he felt was temporal and could easily soften his mind if he allowed it to. This was something he would never allow to happen. Goosebumps formed on his arms as the chill of the room tried to relax him. Scoffing at the idea, he grabbed the papers in front of him and re-read the latest update on the delivery system for the weapon. Despite his efforts, his body relaxed as his mind focused on the words before him. Many suggestions were proposed, but none yielded the required dispersal results. It was even suggested that several types of deliveries be combined to maximize the effect. Some typical vectors of infection were currency, water reservoirs, food, tainted vaccinations, and some even far-out idea of infusing the Genovirian in plastic bottle plants. However combined or singularly used, the projected results were below nominal. With current technology, a delivery system to globally infect all the people on the planet at once just didn't exist. The dark, she all official breathed deeply and returned the papers to the desk. His superiors would just have to be patient and hope something developed or wait, as they projected several decades before the right delivery system could be made. Running his fingers through his long black beard, he decided to make a small unscheduled visit to the scientists in charge of this project. Within minutes, he stood in front of a closed windowed door to a laboratory room. Inside the room were onyx-colored bench tops, beakers, centrifuges, computers, and a variety of other instruments associated with a scientist's typical workbench. At the far end of the small lab, he observed three scientists in a heated conversation. One was seated in a chair with his hand over his forehead, while the other two desperately grasped at futile efforts to control the argument by talking over the other. The dark, she all officials scanned the room to make sure no experiments were running before entering. The last thing he wanted to do was to introduce any contaminants to anything openly running in the room. After grabbing a spare lab coat, he swiped his identification card and entered the room. The argument immediately assaulted his ears as he drew closer to the trio, none of them noticing his approach. As he drew near, he realized they were in disagreement over a form of delivery for the weapon. He waited patiently gathering any information they inadvertently volunteered. The scientist sitting in the chair was the first to notice their guest and immediately informed the others they were not alone. Silence quickly replaced the heated debate. The three didn't know what to expect from a surprise visit. Usually their superior never entered the labs unless there was something urgent requiring their attention. Um, how can we help you, sir? One of the standing scientists asked. The dark, she all official clapped his hands and rubbed them slowly before speaking. Tell me of your disagreement. Excuse me? Asked the other standing scientist. I, I don't understand. What were you talking about these past few minutes? Tell me everything and don't leave anything out. For the first time in over an hour, the two standing scientists had nothing to say. It was the one sitting who opened his mouth first. We disagree on what path to take for delivery system, he said. There is no delivery system, it doesn't exist, and it won't exist with the current demands required. One of the scientists blurted out before catching himself. I disagree, said the other standing scientist. Current technology is available fat. No, 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 there must be secrecy. The chance of detection is too high, said the other standing scientist. 
I know, but it's the only thing that'll work other than waiting. Wait interrupted their superior. Exactly what technology will allow us to deliver the weapon with the level of required dispersal. The three remained quiet, none of them wanting to put himself on the line, just in case the idea received a reprimand. Answer me. The dark, she, all officials shouted. The sitting scientist answered. I originally said that. Oh, yeah. Make it look like our ideas aren't important, you had. Shut up. The dark, she all official interrupted the standing scientist. You. Continue. What's your name again? He asked the sitting scientist. Fidienka. For the next several minutes, the scientist described his proposal for a delivery system without interruption. The other scientists watched in horror as their window of opportunity to push their proposal disintegrated. Fidienka so engrossed the dark, she all official, that there was no doubt he was impressed. When the scientist finished, he nervously watched for any response, giving him an indication of how well his proposal was received. The dark, she all official slowly played with his beard before responding. Put this in writing and have it in my office within an hour. I'm gonna think about this for a while. Before turning to leave, he looked at Fedienka. Good job. We need more scientists like you thinking outside the box, no matter how incomprehensible. After the official left the lab, Fedienka smiled at his associates. The man values talent when he sees it. Dunkoffs, said the other two scientists in unison. The dark, she all official impatiently waited in his office for the scientist to deliver the report. He knew there wasn't much time to deliver a proper report, but he just wanted to look at the details. The plan could work, but he had to make sure before he informed his superiors. So far, this was the best option they had come up with. The only feasible plan. He sighed. It made more sense if they just waited. Why the rush, he wondered. If they waited this long, they could surely wait a few more decades. It wasn't like they were dying. Shortly afterwards, he heard a timid knock on his door. Come. Fidienka slowly walked into the room with a few loose pages in hand. It's, well, not best report I put together on such short notice, but all details are there, he said. Good, sit down, said the dark, she all official. Fidienka handed over the report and sat facing his supervisor. After a few minutes of looking at several charts, predictions, and brief explanations, the dark, she, all officials smiled and placed the papers on the table. It just might work, he mumbled. He rubbed his beard for what may have seemed an eternity to Fedienka before speaking again. Prepare a formal presentation. I want this presented as soon as possible. How much time do you need? The, a formal presentation, asked Fedienka nervously. Um, I don't know. Maybe one week? You and your team have one day. Now go. Oh, and Fedienka. Don't disappoint me, he said menacingly. The scientist quickly left the room, wondering how he was ever going to put together a comprehensive presentation in one day. Agent Martin quickly glanced around the office before closing his door and adjusted the blinds so no one could see in. It was very early in the morning and no one would consider his actions out of the ordinary for someone who wanted a little privacy while eating breakfast, as he had always done. He quickly pulled out the satellite phone vibrating impatiently in his pocket, took a deep breath, and answered it. Yes, he said, a little too nervously. John, what the hell's going on over there? Voice 3 shouted through the phone. There are agents tracking Benson and going through the junk in his office. You screwed up big time. I know, I know. 
It seems as though Agent C. Cole Lead initiated an expanded investigation on Benson and Fletcher without directly contacting me first. It's fully within her right to do so, but I'd never expected this to. Of course, you never expected. You assigned the wrong agent to the arson in Carter. I know you said she'd breeze through the investigation, write a report, and be done with it, so she'd be able to focus on more interesting cases. But he struck out there. Then you assured me Agent C. Coley was a joke and would most likely encourage a quick investigation so she could visit New York City. Strike two. And now the FBI is rummaging where they never should have been. This is too close for comfort, John. You need to handle this or we'll activate someone else who can get it done. This didn't sound good to Martin. It seemed as though he was close to getting removed. He desperately needed to show them he could handle anything they passed his way. He'll be done. As with my immediate notification to you about Daryl Fletcher being Mr. Anonymous, please consider this situation rectified, he said, trying to sound confident. Fletcher was an idiot, and Benson a bigger one, for including his friend in the smallest of things. He should have kept him in the dark, but because of his stupidity the FBI was notified, you were activated, and now we have a situation that has to be capped immediately before it spirals out of control. Yes, sir, I... I'm not done talking. We do not tolerate lack of insight and initiative well. And thus far, you're excelling in both. We don't believe in the chaos theory, the so-called butterfly effect. Careful planning and execution is all that counts. This is your last chance to put everything right. Do you understand what I'm saying, Agent Martin? Said Voice 3 slowly. A lump developed in Martin's throat as he heard those last words. He knew exactly what was being suggested, and never in his wildest dreams had he thought it would come to this. He had to make it right. His very survival depended on it. Do you understand? Voice 3 repeated, irritated. Yes, yes, I do. I'll make it right. I swear. Your swearing means nothing to me. You know exactly what I want. The call was terminated. Martin looked at the phone to make sure the connection was severed before lowering his head, defeated. He slowly put the phone back in his pocket and decided to make life for Brooke C. Cole Lee a little more difficult. As for Keiko, she was out of the picture with the children of Barabas' investigation. He'd deal with her afterwards. Brooke had just finished talking to Keiko about her coming back from North Dakota in two days after wrapping up the investigation, when her phone rang again. She shook her head when the caller ID displayed Chief Agent John Martin. She was waiting for his phone call about what to do with Daryl Fletcher, possibly being Mr. Anonymous, but it was still too early in the morning and she was exhausted from lack of sleep. A 30-minute update with Keiko, no breakfast, no shower, and now Martin. This was a bit too much after her late-night visit to the New Jersey Performing Arts Center. She sighed and answered the phone. Agent C. Coley here, she said slowly, trying to sound tired. Ah, good, I'm glad I got you, Martin said urgently through the phone. Yep, Brooke responded. You're doing great work up there, and thanks for the update on Mr. Fletcher. We confirm that he's the voice of Mr. Anonymous. That definitely brings a conclusion to your investigation. Wait, what? Excuse me? What are you talking about? She said. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me start from the beginning. When you called me about Fletcher, I opened a case against him. We found out where he went on vacation and later sent agents out to keep track of him. Unfortunately, there was some accident at his home, and well, to make a long story short, Daryl Fletcher and his wife are dead. 
The local police are investigating and so far it's leading toward a deliberate act. It looks like Daryl may have killed himself and his wife. What? No way. Brooke couldn't believe what she was hearing. She pegged Fletcher as a nervous wreck, but not suicidal and homicidal, to take his wife's life too. Details? What are the details? She asked. A report is being generated and will be copied to us when approved by the local police. You can put it in your report, said Martin. Brooke was beginning to lose her composure. Martin was stringing her along like a puppet and was probably enjoying every moment of it. What damn report, she shouted. Watch your tongue, agent. The report you're going to write stating Daryl Fletcher was involved with the arson at Iron Mountain, felt a wave of guilt, contacted the FBI anonymously, couldn't live with what he did, and killed himself along with his wife. Case closed. That makes no freaking sense, she said. Fletcher would never kill himself. There was something more behind his behavior. I was so close to finding out what it was. Okay, what you got? Asked Martin. Brooke paused. She really had nothing other than her own gut feelings about how the investigation was proceeding. Everything Martin said would be considered a perfect conclusion to the case without further information. Her argument had nothing to stand on, so she remained silent. I thought so. Martin said, Now here's what I want you to do. Gather all of your work, get back here, and finalize this case by writing that report. And since this case is closed, I'm canceling all of your requests for Benson Rockford through the New York office. It was a good call on your end, but now unnecessary. What about Keiko? She asked, sounding depressed. I'll call Keiko immediately after I get off the phone with you. As you know, she's currently on an important case and needs to follow through with that. He quickly responded. Brooke didn't know what else to say. Martin continued. Okay, I'm looking forward to seeing you today when you get back. If you can think of anything else, you need to confirm it with me first. Don't hesitate to call. Okay, Brooke said, broken. After Martin hung up, Brooke looked at the phone and threw it at her bed pillow. This sucks, she mumbled, throwing herself face first on the bed in disbelief. The dark Sheol official looked at everyone attending the presentation. Representatives from each scientific group were present in the conference room. Everyone was talking among themselves about what little they were able to hear about Fedienka's group's solution to the Genovirian delivery debacle. Most were curious about how a group mostly associated with the biology of the Genovirian could come up with a delivery plan since they weren't engineers. Fedienka himself sat with his group, going over some of the finer points of the presentation as they waited for the three superiors to link into the conference room. Today would either create a sparkling future or send him into obscurity. Quickly glancing at his watch, the dark Sheol official wondered why his superiors were late, as they were usually very prompt. He then heard three distinct tones within the room and looked up at the projector screen. It indicated that the three superiors had connected to the meeting. The dark Sheol official looked at Fedienka and nodded for him to proceed. Fedienka stood up, took a deep breath, and cleared his throat. Esteemed colleagues, I today will present to you an approach to our current dilemma for Genovirian. Today I will show you how my team and I plan to rectify problem instead of waiting several decades for technology to catch up to our needs, said Fedienka too fast, obviously nervous. We will propose to you an approach using current abilities at our disposal, he continued. Fedienka clicked the remote controlling the presentation displayed on the screen. After the lights were dimmed and everyone focused on him, 
Fedyanka cleared his throat and began. As we all know, technology does not exist to deploy a global detonation device infecting entire planet at once. Do we wait for technology to arise, or do we find an alternate plan? Perseverance versus expeditious action. Fedyanka was proud of the words just spoken since English didn't come easy to him. With his heavy Russian accent, he hoped this would impress everyone and set the tone for what would be mentioned next. Both options, he continued, are currently being investigated, and based on what we all report, this will dictate the action to be taken. My team will present to you an expeditious action, we hope will convince you all, waiting would be a mistake. This was a bold statement to make, but Fedyanka had to convince his superiors this was a choice he firmly believed in, a choice he would back without question. He clicked the remote to show a picture of a satellite-based missile delivery system. Ideal delivery system would be multiple orbital missile units synchronized around globe to deliver Genovirian as a multi-strike package at once. The problem with such a proposal, something this large in development will require massive secrecy and would be hard to hide in orbit. Such proposed numbers of systems would be in the thousands. There is currently no technology that can shield this massive amount of orbital platforms from detection. Detection from implementing and detection from remaining in orbit. This is primary problem we face. Fidienka clicked to the next slide. It showed a picture of the planet with the words, she all agents across it. What do we currently have, he asked, pausing for effect. We have fantastic global organizations second none. We have influence within every government and many major corporations. An amazing thing, no one outside the organization know who we are. Feeling excited about what he was going to say next, Fedyanka walked several feet away from the screen and looked directly at the dark, she-all official. What we have here is the means to strike globally, without high technology, but with very men we employ, he said, raising his voice as he clicked the remote again. The next slide displayed multiple she-all agents holding small, nondescript objects on every continent. What we propose is to coordinate a global pandemic with a well-coordinated release of the Genovirian in multiple major cities. Secretly and quietly, our Genovirian will be released into public, causing a global outcry. This is first phase. Next phase is to randomly release more of the Genovirian within the same city, and even new ones. We'll make it have no logical pattern. But before you ask the obvious question, this doesn't obtain level of infection we require. Let me say our goal here is to force the hands of governments to look for anything to eradicate the pandemic. So desperate, they're willing to overlook many of their restrictions and guidelines for proposed vaccinations and treatments. The next slide showed a picture of the Genovirian, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we come in. We will propose an aggressive experimental viral vaccination that shows ability to protect a percentage of non-infected individuals from contracting disease. And here is where we reach our desired goal of global infection. A circle now surrounded the Genovirian. What I propose is an encapsulated Genovirian as a vaccination. Vedyanka slowly looked around the room to gather whether his audience was beginning to understand. He smiled as he saw recognition of what he was proposing starting to form in the room. Encapsulated Genovirian will look like cytotoxic T-cell, and as far as scientific community would know, it has been remastered by us to detect human cells infected by a hypothetical plague a plague identified as a newly emergent, aggressively replicating ecosahedral-like virus. This encapsulation will mimic physical attributes of T-cell, but will remain in an ergic state. 
devoid of any immunological activity when vaccinated in humans. Now vaccinations will only benefit individuals not yet showing full-blown symptoms or yet infected. Since the world won't know Genovirian can't jump from host to host, this treatment will seem to be working. Obviously, we will scale back our direct infection of the population during this time. Subsequently, we estimate in vivo incubation period for encapsulated Genovirian to be three months. After this short incubation phase, encapsulated layer will degenerate, allowing the Genovirian to infect and replicate within host. And then, gentlemen, we would have complete global infection. With a widely infected population through vaccination and reinitiated direct infections, our goal will be met. Fidienka paused to take a sip of water. We have means and ability to create encapsulation of Genovirian. It is well within our grasp. We propose shifting of personnel into two groups. One for creation of the Genovirian delivery system, handled by our agents, and other for encapsulated form for massive global inoculation. All eyes in the room then turned to the dark, Sheol official, who was actually smiling and nodding his head. It wasn't often they saw him publicly displaying any sign of emotional approval. His smile quickly disappeared when the voice of one of the superiors filled the room. We have the copy of the proposal, said Voice One. We'll discuss this among ourselves and come to a decision shortly. With that, the connection to the meeting was severed. The dark, Sheol official, realizing the meeting had been adjourned by his superiors, stood up and addressed the group. Good presentation. I want everyone to take a short break while I wait for the decision. Meeting adjourned. The room erupted with a multitude of voices, some congratulating Fedienka and his crew and others, wondering why they hadn't come up with such a simple yet elegant solution to their problem. When the last person finally left the room, the dark, she-all official nodded and smiled again. He knew his superiors would go for this approach. They were just weighing the chances between being discovered and being successful. But in the end, the plan looked solid. Soon the world would die at the hands of the Sheol. Brooke shook her head as she listened to Keiko trying to calm her down. Everything within her screamed bloody murder. The injustice of the situation assaulted her sensibility as she released her anger toward her friend. She threatened to quit, file a complaint, or contact Martin's supervisors. I'm just as shocked as you are, said Keiko, but this isn't going to solve anything. You need to calm down, swallow it, and get back to work. Back to work? Back to work? Brooke said, raising her voice. This was the first challenging case I got that gave me a chance to show what I can really do. Now, now, I'm probably going to go back to doing ridiculous, stupid cases. Back to work? You're Keiko Carter, star agent. You have nothing to worry about. Me, I'm just another face in the crowd. Brooke, that's not what I'm talking about. You have to be smart about this. If you think something's amiss, then look into it. Martin is fully within his right to pull the plug on the case. But if you need closure, then trust your gut and look into it on the side. Quietly and discreetly. This is what I'd do if our roles were reversed. I've done this in the past and will most likely do it again in the future if I ever need to. But Kay and the man's gonna probably be breathing down my neck. Then give him what he wants, a report closing out the case, while looking into other matters. Just don't leave a trail or you're gonna get busted. Brooke took a deep breath. What Keiko was saying made perfect sense. At the moment, she had no idea how she was going to continue the investigation, but there was no way she was going to give up without a fight. Realizing how self-centered she was, her next question focused on Keiko instead of her. 
Sorry, Kay. What did Martin say to you? Nothing different than what he told you. But he did emphasize he wanted me to stay here until this case is fully investigated and complete. I think he wants to keep us separate for some reason. Yeah, that's strange. He never worried about that before when we were back at the office. Something's not right, said Brooke. Brooke, keep me in the loop on whatever you may find. As far as we're concerned, the story isn't closed on this case yet. Do what Martin says in bringing closure, but let's finish this completely our own way. I'm leaving within the hour, said Brooke. The first thing that may help is getting a hand on that police report on Fletcher's death. If there's anything to work on, it'll probably start there. Sounds like a plan. I'm gonna stay here and drag my feet on this case a bit while looking into your situation, said Keiko. Oh, and Kay. Thanks. Not a problem. Later. See ya. Later on that evening, Fedienka sat nervously in front of the dark, she all officials' desk for several torturous minutes in anticipation of the decision. The dark, she all officials sat quietly in front of the scientist while staring at a piece of paper with his supervisor's thoughts on the presentation. His goal for this small exercise installing was to shatter any sense of confidence threatening to arise in the scientist after his successful and brilliantly performed presentation. He had to make it known who was still in charge. Fedienka wondered why his supervisor was taking too long to mention the outcome of the meeting. All he knew was that the meeting was canceled 30 minutes after the break, and all attending were informed they were going to be instructed on what to do next shortly. He, on the other hand, was ordered back into the office immediately. It could be anything, he thought. They could either embrace his idea or discarded it as some ridiculous plan. The longer he sat there, the more his confidence evaporated. Once the dark, she all official saw the slightest tint of sweat starting to form on Fedienka's brow, he spoke, bringing an end to nearly eight minutes of grunts and grimaces. What I have before me is the response to your presentation. I will read it word for word. Proceed immediately with the proposed plan. Coordinate groups for creation of the encapsulation process and delivery system for low-level exposure. We predict encapsulation should take no longer than 10 months to develop, while the delivery system no longer than two. Sites to be targeted will be handled from our side. Dr. Fidienko will oversee the encapsulation program under your supervision. Updates are expected regularly every week. The dark, Sheol official looked at his subordinate. Do you understand? He asked sternly. Yes, yes, sir. We're moving forward with program. I'm in charge under your supervision, and we have just under one year to get encapsulation done. Correct. And do you foresee any problems with the encapsulation process? No, sir. I've been thinking about this for quite some time, and with process used to produce the Genovarian, it shouldn't be a problem to mimic human T-cell. I see no problems at all. We may even be able to complete process faster than expected. The dark, she all official expected such an answer. Anything else, and he would have questioned the man's confidence in himself.